Seconds or less podcast. This is a podcast about the NBA with a Phoenix Suns focus. My name is Max McCall, and I'm joined, as always, by my co host. His name is David Nash. David, it's been a little while. We've had a little break. It, it probably feels a little longer to us than it does for the listeners that are tuning into the, uh, the episodes, but a few days off our normal schedule this time, but getting closer to real basketball, Max, and uh, I think we need it. You know, actually, I think I'd rather just have more stupid Twitter arguments for a couple more months. Can we, can we delay the NBA? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to support you on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you said, it's been a little while. We, uh, we're going to kind of move on from the Suns a little bit. We did the Position Pod series. Now we're going to talk a little more about the NBA at large. We're going to do division previews, David. We are, and, and, and as we've always stated right from the top, we, we like to think of ourselves as a little bit more of a general NBA show. So we're going to jump into some division stuff and, and throw some stun stuff in there amongst it, I'm sure, that will come up as we discuss. But uh, I'm looking forward to this little uh, three-episode series, Max. Yeah, we can't stop ourselves from talking about the Suns, so we're still going to talk about the Suns. But we're also going to focus on, like I said, the league generally. We're going to do one West, one East division per episode. So it should be fun. We're going to start today with the Southwest and the Atlantic, which I think are two of the more interesting divisions. What do you think? Yeah, it was it was really tough. Uh, we're going to rank them at the end as the two very tough divisions to rank, you know, one through five, and are uh, going to be pretty competitive with, uh, you know, maybe health and a few other things are going to dictate, uh, you know, what order they fit in here. Let's start with some news that's totally unrelated to either division, unless he gets traded to one of the divisions. Uh, Jimmy Butler is unhappy in Minnesota, it appears. He wants to have a conversation with the T-Wolves brass about his future there, and it seems like that means he's leaning towards leaving. It does, it does. It's, uh, you know, he had that paltry extension offer, I think, from the Wolves in the offseason, which he knocked back, and uh, he's coming into his last year with the Wolves, and, you know, there's been rumors, and and probably not even rumors, just real stories about a bit of unrest in Minnesota, so it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes, and there is a small Suns tie there where it's another potential NBA superstar being on the market and, and as we know the Suns have been linked to just about every one of them as they've come up Max so uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether the Suns name comes up if and when uh, Butler wants out of Minnesota. Yeah and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you what you'd trade for Butler if you're the Suns in a second but I just want to make one point about why I think Jimmy wants out. I mean there's been a lot of reports that he's unhappy with the worth ethic of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins which I think is, is definitely part of it. But I also think that, you know, Jimmy Butler's a smart guy. I don't know if you ever, like, heard him speak or, or heard him on a podcast. He's been on Bill Simmons a few times. Mm-hmm. He's really well-spoken. You can tell that guy, you know, he thinks the game. He knows the game. I think he's just where the rest of us are, that Tibbs is just running that team to the ground. You know, signing Luol Deng, the Derrick Rose thing. It's just, I think Jimmy Butler's like, Jesus, I didn't want to come to Chicago West. That's not, that's not my goal here. And I, and I think he understands 
that team doesn't really have a, you know a winning feature this year. They're not going to be a contender. So I think he's looking around the league and being like, where can I go that's going to be better for me? Exactly, and he he was traded there on on a draft night, as we remember. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not like he chose to sign back with a, a Tibbs led team. Although I'm sure there's always some you know back end things going on there for for when teams trade for guys. And he said, you know, sure, I'll come for a, for a couple of years under Tibbs, but. Uh, yeah, I think we kind of look over that reuniting of Tibbs and, and Butler a little bit, and maybe he he does just eventually want to go somewhere that he really wants to go. And yeah, you know, I've written a few teams down. I think the Lakers is obviously one with LeBron James, but uh, I did see on Twitter. I, uh, I'd love to be able to credit the person. I, I can't remember. I'll, uh, I'll tweet it out maybe, but. The, the Lakers and the Wolves have not made a single trade in their history of the two franchises. Whoa, that's weird. Of course, the uh, the Lakers stole the team from Minneapolis uh, <laughs> all those years ago, and uh, you know the the tweet that I. Uh, Red was, you know, all about Glenn Taylor being quite old and having a a long memory, obviously. So who knows there? But you know, Denver's another one. He's, he's worked out a lot in Denver, and uh, uh, the Clippers probably are another one. They've, they're in that weird mold, uh, maybe looking to add a star. And uh, mm-hmm. Miami is another one, I think, which, which doesn't have a lot to work with, but you you never rule out Pat Riley, Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what they'd even trade. It, that'd be tough. It'd have to be Winslow, I guess, and, and something else. But I, I'm really intrigued by the Clippers. Uh, another Bill Simmons reference. He, he tweeted out a Shea Gilders-Alexander, Tobias Harris deal for Butler. I think that's actually a pretty good deal for both teams. Yeah, I think Tobias Harris is, is definitely that contract on the Clippers roster that they may look to to move in uh, You know, a big-time deal for a, for a star now and then I think they probably still have enough room to add another one next offseason. So, you know, we've spoken quite a bit how the Clippers are in this weird in-between state at the moment, and, and that's mm-hmm. the type of move that I think they're eventually hoping to pull the trigger on if if and when it presents itself, Max. Yep, I agree with that. It seems like they're trying to kind of rebuild on the fly, and that would be a move that would be part of that. But uh, let's talk about the Suns a little bit here. So, obviously, as soon as this news came out, Suns Twitter started dreaming about how the Suns are going to get Jimmy Butler on the team. So if you're the Suns, what would you be willing to give up for Jimmy Butler? Uh, not much. <laughs> In short, Max, uh, I'm going to probably use this question to reiterate something that I've you know harped on quite a bit. And it's, I just want the Suns to stay patient. Uh, you know, we've made quite a few moves to date, and uh, you know, I've been happy with them because none of them have really sacrificed the future. Depending on how you uh, feel about Marquise Chris, I, I guess, and and those kind of draft picks, maybe that were moved on draft night as well. But you know, with all the rumors and speculation, and the Suns being linked to you know just about everyone that's come up in the NBA, we still haven't made a move that's that kind of all-in move yet, and and I'm kind of happy with that. You know, we've discussed this quite a bit over the offseason. The Warriors are still going to dominate. Houston's there. LeBron's moved to. LA uh you know I'm not looking for any sort of short-term relief here to try and chase a you know seventh or eighth seed which you know depending on what you give up for Butler you're really only going to you know maybe limp into the playoffs which you know I think the Suns can can still have a successful season and, and maybe miss the playoffs and then still have a lot of that flexibility going forward so you know I probably wouldn't give up Josh Jackson in a deal which basically I think would remove the Suns from any Jimmy Jimmy Butler sweepstakes because, you know, you have to give up something in these trades. So, um, yeah, I'm probably out on Butler altogether, Max. I'm not sure whether you have a a slightly different view on that. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit higher on acquiring him just because I think he's really, really freaking good. And I agree with you. It's very short-term just because, of, first of all, his, his contract situation. He's unrestricted next offseason, which is why mm-hmm. Minnesota's in trouble right now with him. Uh, but also, he's just turned 29. Uh, he's a lot of minutes on him from playing with Tibbs. He's yep. had some injury issues, including last year. There's some, there's some issues with him that make him not necessarily you know a long-term fit with the Phoenix Suns. But at the same time, he's just so good that I probably would give up Josh Jackson, but probably nothing else. It'd be, it'd have to be like Josh Jackson and salary filler would be all I'm really willing to give up. But at the same time, I, I'm not really sure Minnesota would be interested in that because Josh Jackson, Andrew Wiggins, is that a fit that you're interested in? Yeah, that's probably not a duo that I would build my team around, but you never know with some of these franchises. But, you know, the other mm-hmm. thing I'll add is that you know when these star players have come up, the the eventual package that they've they've gone for has kind of generally been under what the most of uh, the general population and, mm-hmm. and NBA Twitter were expecting. So when you are coming up with these hypotheticals, you know you can't undersell yourself too much. Sometimes, yeah, the the package that you think uh, you know would see the team out of any Jimmy Butler sweepstakes might actually be the the winning package at the end. Well, of the you day. could just so, look at Jimmy Butler himself, right? <laughs> Everyone it, thought that the boss was give up like half their picks for him, and they ended up going for uh, the seventh pick in the draft and Zach Levine. Exactly, and right now the Bulls almost look to have won that trade if if Laurie Markkinen keeps you know keeping on with with his career arc at the moment. Yeah, and I forgot about Chris Dunn too. Throw him in; he actually looks pretty pretty okay last season. Yeah, so if Jimmy Butler does leave, or they they end up trading him for a you know a subpar package, maybe that that trade in hindsight looks better for Chicago, which you know certainly at the time did not look good at all. No, on draft night, everyone was making fun of the Bulls, um, which is funny because everyone was also making fun of the Indiana Pacers for the Paul George trade, and that trade just worked out gangbusters. Exactly. So there's definitely a lesson learned there, and uh, you know, recent news of Justin Patton going down again with a, a foot injury makes that, that deal look even worse for Minnesota. So yeah, not looking great, and uh, maybe that's a nice segue talking about injuries to uh, bring up Devin Booker here, Max. Yeah, you know, I was going to do the same thing. I was like, hey, he just made a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Devin Booker had hand surgery under somewhat mysterious circumstances. The team is claiming he his hand swelled up after a workout. Uh, obviously, Twitter went crazy with their conspiracy theories because he had an Instagram video of himself on a bike <laughs> riding yep. no hand or whatever, and then a unicycle thing started and all sorts of crap, but... Anyway, Dave, what are your thoughts on this? How how big of a deal do you think this is? How much does it hurt the Suns going into the season? I've been pretty vocal about it hurting them uh, with training camp. It, it does hurt. You kind of want everything to go right with a new team, a new coach, and uh, the ambition that this team has. So, you know, your, your star player missing training camp it clearly isn't ideal. Uh, it, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's been some pictures posted of him, you know, probably still doing some walkthroughs and stuff with guys. So, you know, it, it, it's not uh, the end of the world, as I say, but yeah, not ideal. And uh, I'm not reading too much into how it happened or why it happened or, or anything like that. And, you know, I'm not ruling out that he doesn't miss a game at all, uh, just based off a few things that I've heard. So, you know, he could be back for game one and, and this will just be a, a small blip on the radar uh, and something that we hopefully don't have to worry about again uh, with them electing to, to do the surgery, Max. Yeah, for me, the thing that's the most worrisome is, is Booker has sort of a track record now. He's only 21, only been the year for three years. But he, so far, he's had some trouble getting over injuries. And it, it's for me, it's less about missing training camp, although I agree with you that's not insignificant. 
and it's more about what if he does come back game one and like he can't he's like not shooting well and his hands bothering him and it's just a thing that lingers. That's that's really what would concern me. I don't think that's gonna happen though. My concern level is not high. It's like a two or a three out of ten, but I don't think it's something that we can completely ignore. Yeah, I think electing for surgery kind of shows that the Suns are ready to nip this one in the button and not mm-hmm. have it uh, linger around. Uh, if they decided to, you know, just give it a few weeks rest and, and come back, then it might be the type of injury that does come back again and again throughout the season. But the, the surgery, whenever you take that option, obviously a little bit longer out, but, you know, really what you're aiming for is for it to, to never be an issue again for Booker. Yeah, I mean, obviously all we really care about here is long-term. I don't think anybody thinks that the Suns are going to make the playoffs this year. Now, maybe if they trade for Jimmy Butler, they will, but I don't think that's the you know the general idea. So the, the priority is always going to be Booker's long-term health. I'm glad they elected to do the surgery. It seems like they're handling it correctly. I just hope it doesn't affect him going in because I think Booker's headed for a breakout year. Speaking of training camp coming up, Max, and you know there was some point guard rumors recently since the last time we've uh, recorded an episode so it appears as though the Suns are still sniffing around although you know Ryan McDonough's throwing out that they're not totally willing to do a deal or, or not desperate for a starting point guard but you know we're down to the lower level of guys guys like Patrick Beverly and, and Spencer Dinwiddie and Corey Joseph have been linked to Phoenix so you know what's your thoughts on that do you think we'll still see a trade before the start of this season or if the Suns kind of once again played their hand a, a little too early and and, and lost all their leverage here. Yeah, I don't want to go on a huge rant here, but I, I just, man, I thought this was just mishandled. The night when they traded for uh, Ryan Anderson and Melton, traded Brandon Knight away, they were, it was very clear in the stories from Woj that obviously had sun sourcing, that the Suns were, I don't want to use the word desperate, that they were strongly you know, pursuing a starting point guard before the season. Yeah. And it's just like, you can't, leak those kind of stories in like early September and expect to trade for a starting caliber point guard. I'm not exactly sure what they thought they had in mind, that they were just going to call some teams who were just like, oh yeah, we'd love to trade you our good point guard right now in September, right before training camp. Like, that's just not something that generally happens. The only teams that trade their starting point guards in the fall are the Suns trading Bledsoe. So I, I just, it's just, to me it was mishandled. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And it, it's easy to go around looking at the league, looking for where the point guard depth is. But, you know, as we've said, injuries happen. Uh, we're not playing real NBA basketball yet. So the other teams really have no need to trade any of these guys unless you're going to willing to overpay right now, but say that the deal's off the table unless they take it, um, you know, very soon. So, you know, Indiana with Corey Joseph, you know, Darren Collison could go down in a workout or something and all of a sudden they need Joseph. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not you're not going to get any of these guys for a, you know, a paltry second future second round pick or anything like that. So, you know, it, it is difficult because, you know, if we are to see a starting point guard come in before training camp or before the start of the season, it's it's probably going to mean the Suns have heavily overpaid for for one year of a guy. So, yeah, I'm a little on the fence here. I, I really think and have been pretty adamant on this that they need to bring someone in. But at the same time, I, I don't want to see them ridiculously overpay for a guy. So, yeah, I'm looking at the Beverly, you know, maybe Dinwiddie types where if you do overpay, there's at least the chance that you can... Uh, bring them back for multiple years and, and kind of offset what you've given up for them a little bit. But, you know, a guy like Corey Joseph, for instance, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant on because you're probably really just bringing him in for that rental and not sure that that's uh, ideal for the Suns going forward. 
And also, like, what are you even going to trade for Corey Joseph? Because if you call up Indiana and be like, hey, we're interested in Corey Joseph, they're like, okay, well, how about the Milwaukee pick? And the Suns are like, no, well, now we don't want to give up the Milwaukee pick for him. He's an older rental. How about Darrell Arthur and the, a second-round pick? And Indiana's like, well, that's not worth anything to us. <laughs> so it's just kind of hard to find a value for somebody like that, you know? Exactly. It feeds straight into to my point, Max, is, you know, if we see a trade anytime soon, the reaction or the instant reaction that I'm expecting is that most fans will be pretty upset with what we've given up because, yeah, that that's the position we're in. We, we don't have a lot of leverage there. Yep, totally agree. So let's turn on to something maybe a little more cheery. Uh, the Hall of Fame happened, the ceremony, and some former Suns players got inducted, David. They did. We had uh, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, and, and Jason Kidd all enter, and then a, a couple of uh, old-timers also, which uh, brought the Suns uh, links up to five of the 2018 class. But, uh, yeah, not a lot to talk about there, obviously. Uh, it was a little while ago now, but, you know, I thought Steve Nash's speech was uh, was pretty great, and you'd expect nothing less of him. And um, it, it was cool to see some of them relive time in, in Suns uniforms and, and time over their NBA careers. So that's all I'll touch on with that one there, Max. Um, but I, I, I thought I'd throw to you for a couple of low-level moves to, to end our new section. So Melton's still unsigned, and, and we just saw uh, Big Source Williams sign a two-way in Brooklyn. So uh, I'll let you decide uh, which of those you want to react to. I'm going to talk about Melton because it's just a little more exciting to me. I love, I love Sauce. Good luck to him. But uh, Melton's on our team now, so... Two points here. One is a point I've seen you make a lot, which is a good one, is that people think that Melton's not signed right now because the Suns might be trying to trade his rights in one of these point guard trades. I think you and I both agree it's more likely that he's not signed yet because they'd rather use cap space to sign him rather than a room exception because they can sign him for longer. Uh, And they are right now not under the cap sign him, so they need to make a move to do that, maybe with the Real Arthur, maybe some other way. We'll see. Uh, and then the second point I'm going to make is just that I really hope they don't trade him because, as I've made very clear in this podcast, I love DeAnthony Melton. I think he's perfect with Booker, and I think it would be a giant mistake to trade him. Anything else to say on Melton, or should we move on to Did You Know? No, I definitely agree with that, Max. I think that's a good point kind of going off what we were talking about before is, uh, you know, we can't rule out that Melton will be in one of these trades, but I, I, I certainly just wouldn't be thinking that because he's unsigned that he's guaranteed to be in, in any point guard trade going out from the Suns. And I'll echo your sentiment. I hope after all is said and done, Melton is on the Phoenix Suns and uh, for longer than two years would be nice. It would. I hope they sign him for the same four-year-ish sort of thing they got a Kobo for. Yeah, I agree. So let's uh, jump into Did You Know here for our first divisional preview, Max. With us starting for the first of three divisional preview episodes, it only felt right to give you and the listeners a little Phoenix Suns division history lesson. So did you know the Phoenix Suns have played in three divisions since inception in 1968? Max, can you name them? Jesus Christ. Uh, The Pacific Division. (laughs) One. Uh, I'm going to guess there was one called like the West or the Southwest that they were in. The West they started in for two seasons. I'll give you that. So there's one more. I have no idea. Okay. So the Suns were in the Western division for two seasons. As I said, from 68 to 1970, they then moved to the Midwest division for the 70, 71 <laughs> season and the 71, 72 seasons. In before... what world are they in the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, before winding up to the current Pacific Division, as you said, starting with the 72, 73 season, Max. 
Now, we're going to leave the Pacific Division till the last preview episode, so we might get back to some history there in a couple of weeks. But for now, I want to circle back to the now-defunct Midwest Division. As I said, the Suns spent just two seasons in the division and shared it with three other teams that still exist today. This one's pretty ridiculous, Max, so double points for any of the three other teams you can name that the Suns shared the Midwest division with. So this is pre-merger, right? Correct. Oh, man. I'm going to guess that it was the San Francisco Warriors? Wrong. Wrong, okay. Uh, was it was St. Louis Hawks still a thing then, or they already moved? Wrong. Ah, I'm doing great here. The, the, the Fort Wayne Pistons, or was that... Now, nah, that was like the 50s, right? <laughs> you've, you've missed my little clue here. It's three teams that still exist today. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't hear you say that. That's uh, None of those teams exist today. <laughs> so it was the Chicago Bulls, Detroit Pistons, and Milwaukee Bucks, Max. I said Detroit. Yep, all of whom are now in the Central Division, which is now considered the league's Midwest-based division, and we will preview the Central Division last along with the Pacific Division in two weeks' time. But by far the longest tenure teams in the Midwest Division were the Mavs, Rockets, and Spurs, and the last team to join were the Grizzlies of then Vancouver and now Memphis, all of which remain until the end of the division. Four teams, of course, which we will be covering today as part of our Southwest Division preview, as you mentioned before. That last division shakeup and the death of the Midwest Division came before the 04-05 season when the NBA went from 29 to 30 teams with the introduction of the Charlotte Bobcats. That, of course, resulted in the structure we have today with six divisions, the Southwest and Atlantic, which we're covering today, the Southeast and Northwest, which we'll cover for next episode, and, of course, the Pacific and Central, which will come last. But back now to the Sun's time in the Midwest Division to round this one out, Max. Last quiz for you. Who was the Sun's star player for those two seasons in the early 70s? And that was the very early 70s, right? Correct. Is it Connie Hawkins? It was Connie Hawkins. There you go. Go on. Who, of course, the Suns honored last season by wearing the Hawk patch on their jersey all season long. Hawk, of course, passed away on October 6th, 2017 at 75 years of age and played four and a bit seasons of his eight NBA seasons in the Valley, all of which he earned all-star selections in. Two of those seasons were in the Midwest Division, where the Suns finished fifth in the conference in both the 71 and 72 seasons. How many playoff teams were there per conference? Four. So, we thought the Suns were unlucky in 2014 with 48 wins, but back then the Suns had back-to-back seasons of 48 and 49 wins without making the playoffs. A year prior, though, for the 69-70 season, the Suns did make the playoffs. Funnily enough, Max, the Suns snuck into the last spot with a 39-43 and record that year. It was the last NBA season with just an Eastern and Western division, and also Connie Hawkins' first season in the NBA. He averaged 24.6 points, 10.4 rebounds, and 4.8 assists, and got his only All-NBA nod in his rookie season. The Suns were knocked out in the first round to the Lakers, but it was the last game of the regular season that highlighted just how ridiculous Hawkins was. Against... 
And now defunct team, I don't think you mentioned these guys before, but the San Diego Rockets, he mm. tallied 44 points, 20 rebounds, 8 assists, 5 steals, and 5 blocks. Jesus Christ. But to end, Max, not a test, but another one of those games I like to throw at you. Going back to those averages for the year, answer these three questions for me. Will Booker average more than 24.6 points per game this season? Yep. Pretty easily. Will Aiton average more than 10.4 rebounds this season? Just under. And will whoever the Suns start at point guard <laughs> average more than 4.8 assists this season? Oh, does it count if Booker starts once or twice at point guard? Because he's going to average more than that, I think. I want whoever's, whoever's starting with Booker. The answer is no. I agree. So, all right, Max, that's it. Let's get stuck into some divisional chat. That was a fun one. And before we go on, I just want to point out the fact that whenever I talk to an old person who's a Suns fan, pretty much all they do is just rave about Connie Hawkins. <laughs> they all just love that guy. Yep. We, ne- we need to do more to, to honor Hawk uh, just after last season for sure. Yep. Uh, and as you alluded to, we're going to move on to some divisions now, though. One of them is going to be the Southwest, which you touched on. The other is going to be the, the Atlantic Division, which you didn't but which might be the best division in the NBA. Uh, just a reminder, if you don't know the divisions off the top of your head, the Southwest is Dallas, Houston, Memphis, New Orleans, and San Antonio. And the Atlantic is Boston, Brooklyn, New York, Philadelphia, and Toronto. So let's start with the Southwest, David. And in alphabetical order, we'll go here. So we'll start with Dallas. The Dallas Mavericks added Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, DeAndre Jordan, and the guys who are out, they lost Seth Curry, Yogi Ferrell, Doug McDermott, Jonathan Motley, and Nerland's Noel. David, what are your initial thoughts when, when Dallas comes to mind? Are you excited about this team? I wouldn't say I'm excited. I actually see a lot of links here between Dallas uh, and our Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'll throw in there they also added Ryan Brokoff uh, just to, to throw an, <laughs> an, an Aussie connection in there. I think he might surprise a few people this season. So uh, that's a name for, for people to look out for when they are watching Dallas. What but- is he? Like, what does he play? He's a, uh, let's say he's Joe Ingles 2.0, Max. <laughs> oh, Wow. Uh, so, you know, as I said, with Dallas, I, I, I kind of see a lot of links with Phoenix here. You know, you, you went through the ins there. They added Dontich and DeAndre Jordan were kind of their two big ins. And, you know, when you look at Phoenix, we added Aiton and, and Ariza was our kind of big one-year signing that's a, akin to DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, as Phoenix fans, I think we'll kind of be fighting with Dallas here a little bit at, at the bottom of the conference. And, uh, depending how things go, it'll it'll be interesting to see which team finishes higher than the other one. I'm probably a little higher on Dallas overall at the moment, but you know things change pretty quickly, Max, and uh, it'll be interesting to see whether those you know additions and subtractions for either team can kind of jump one over the other. What what are your initial thoughts on the Mavs? Yeah, you know if Dallas and Phoenix were both in the Eastern Conference, they'd have a pretty fun uh, race for the eighth seed, I think. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm obviously really excited about this team. Everyone knows that listens to this podcast probably that I'm, I love Luka Doncic. Uh, I think the fit with him and Dennis Smith Jr. is just going to be fun as hell. I saw someone interviewed about it on the team. I can't remember who it was. One, one of their more you know veteran players was asked about those two together, and he was like, you know, there, there's some kings to work out. They don't totally know how to play together yet, which is, makes sense for two ball-dominant guys. But he was just saying that you know when when they click it, it's already looking special. So I'm I mean I'm over the moon excited to watch this team play. 
Yeah, I think it's hard to see them kind of getting off the bottom of the division uh, just because the rest of the division is, is so tough. But yeah, they'll definitely be a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, we both love Luka Doncic and it, it's going to be interesting to see how his rookie season in the NBA goes. But um, not a lot to add there. We, we obviously do play them first and last this season as the Suns. So we'll definitely uh, get to see them quite early and, and then, then towards the end. And it'll be interesting to see where the two teams are placed uh, in connection with each other uh, at their 82nd game of the season, Max. Yeah, I'm going to that first game. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to have to do my very best as a Suns fan not to uh, be happy when Luka Doncic is good. I'm going to I'm gonna have to suppress that urge. Yeah, and, and we've spoken about it, and hopefully not uh, setting myself up here for for failure. But you know, we hope to to record some sort of you know reaction episode directly after that first game because I think there will be a lot to digest, Max. Yeah, we got to try to figure out a way to do that. Uh, anything else in Dallas? You ready to move on to the Houston Rockets? Let's move on to Houston, Max. Okay, so Houston had one of the more questionable off seasons. They added. Carmelo, Anthony, Michael Carter-Williams, Marquise, Chris, James Ennis, Brandon Knight, and I didn't even know this, they added Bruno Caboclo. Out was Ryan Anderson, obviously, to Phoenix, Trevor Reza to Phoenix. Uh, I guess Melton sort of counts, but he wasn't really ever on the team. Uh, Joe Johnson, I guess, is not on the team. Does Joe Johnson retire or is he on a different team? Uh, I have not seen him at it anywhere, so he's maybe looking for to play a, a quarter of the season and playoffs max. Okay, uh, and then Luke Mute also left. So that's a lot of the guys who made them good last year. That's kind of their wing rotation. And a lot of turnover too, Max. So, you know, we talked about continuity on the last episode with Mo, and it's interesting with the Rockets. They've turned over quite a lot, and, you know, you noted there with the ins and outs, there's a lot of Suns connections now between these two <laughs> teams. You've kind of got Knight, uh, Tucker, Chris now. Gerald Green and, and Mike D'Antoni coaching the team as well, uh, all sons of past. And you know, we now have Ariza and, and Anderson and, and Melton, as you said, even though he never was kind of officially on the team. Uh, and then Troy Daniels and Isaiah Cannon both kind of had short stints with the Rockets a long time ago too. So a lot of links there between these two franchises, Max. Yeah, there really are. And I think the big story with this team is going to be can James Ennis and Carmelo, and I guess to an extent Michael Carter-Williams, sort of take over the roles that Ariza and Mute were playing? Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's any chance of a bounce back for Carmelo? Do you think there's any chance Ennis steps up? Like, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, I always trust the Rockets to get the, boat, the most out of their players. I think a trap we're maybe falling into... Uh, as a general community here with with the Rockets is we're kind of going to expect them to just play exactly the same way. You know, when you look at who went out versus who's coming in, it's pretty easy to say that it's a negative. But, you know, maybe the Rockets are shifting a little bit. Maybe, you know, they were very close to beating the Warriors, but, you know, maybe they have some thoughts on playing a slightly different way next season. And and that's where these additions and and the ones that they let go uh, and weren't willing to pay... Uh, you know, maybe that's what we're going to see here. I, I don't know the answer there, but it, it's just something that I continually come back to is, you know, I don't think it's as simple as kind of going, they're going to play exactly the same way as they did last season and the role players are worse and therefore Houston are going to be worse. I think that's a good way to look at it. But, and I think all that can be true, but at the same time, I am really worried about Chris Paul. I, that guy can't stay healthy. Uh, and he's just getting older and older, and that giant extension they signed him to, I'd be nervous if I were a Houston fan. I, it's worth it. You have, you have to do it. 
Yeah, I'd be very nervous. I think that was clearly some sort of a promise when they traded for him. And, you know, last year went pretty well. So, but, you know, Murray's kind of going balls to the wall here, as I like to say. He's he's cha- <laughs> he's chasing that title. And he's, I don't think this, you know, my last point on the Rockets would probably be, I don't think this is the team that we'll see come playoffs time. Um, you know, we might get through a lot of the regular season, but I think they're kind of primed. I, I even, you know, saw something on Twitter this morning about, um, you know, whether they're a team that'll somehow look to add a third star. So, you know, Mallow's not mm. that third star anymore, I, although I think he can be, you know, a decent role player for the team. But, um, yeah, a lot of question marks with Houston. Uh, we had them all last year as well, and it worked out pretty well. So it, it'll be interesting. I'm still backing them in, and, and we'll get to the rankings later. But, um, yeah, definitely a lot of question marks there, Max. All right, David, let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies, a little bit less, uh, you know, elite of a team. So they had coming in Kyle Anderson, Javon Carter, Jaron Jackson Jr., Omri Caspi, I didn't realize that, uh, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple leaving with Mario Chalmers, Deontay Davis, Tyreek Evans, Jarrell Martin, Ben McLemore, and Kobe Simmons. What are your thoughts on any of that? <laughs> I think Evans is obviously a, a pretty uh, tough pill to swallow, losing him to the Pacers, obviously. But you know, I, I quite like a lot of those additions, the role players. Uh, it, it's going to be very dependent on their star players staying healthy. But you know, this is very much a team that's obviously still looking to compete for a playoff spot in the West and, and can't afford to bottom out. But no direct Suns link here, but I, I will note that We've kind of in a little bit of an Earl Watson situation here with Bickerstaff. They kind of took the easy out by uh, extending him as the uh, incumbent interim coach. So uh, that's one that I'm definitely going to watch. If they start slow and we know that Gasol and Conley kind of run this team, if, if they're unhappy and, and things aren't going well early, we might see a, you know, a really early uh, sacking, although them hiring him to begin with, I think, says a lot about uh, how much they're prepared to pay for a coach. So they may be stuck with him, at least for the season. But, you know, as I said, a lot's going to be dependent on Gasol, Conley, and, and maybe Parsons here if he can kind of stay on the court. And then we'll see a lot of those uh, additions maybe add valuable minutes to this team. And, you know, they're going to bring Jackson along slowly by the sounds of things as well. But, you know, I'll definitely be watching them to watch him and uh, I've always always loved watching Conley and Gasol as well so I'm kind of hoping they stay healthy but you know they they could be right down the bottom near the Suns if if one of those players goes down Max you never want to be in an Earl Watson situation that's a bad sign for your franchise in general correct uh yeah so you mentioned Tyreek Hill or sorry not Tyreek Hill I'm thinking of the NFL right now (laughs) Tyreek Evans uh he he was really good last year. Don't get me wrong. He was awesome in that kind of every way. But at the same time, it's kind of because he replaced Mike Conley, right? I don't know if he'd be as useful if you're with Mike Conley because Mike Conley is ball dominant and so is Harry Evans. That's a good point. Which is kind of you know preview. I'm not sure I love it for Indiana. I did when it first happened, but not so much now. But anyway, uh, I kind of like the other guys better in terms of fit. Garrett Temple's underrated. I think he's going to be pretty good in this team. Uh, yeah. Kyle Anderson, I think it fills sort of that wing role they're desperately always trying to find. Uh, and everyone knows who this is the podcast that I love, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he he's a long-term center, but I think he can play with Marcus Gasol early on just because of his defensive versatility and then also the way, the fact that he can space the floor and so can Marcus Gasol. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think that offense is going to be really interesting and really kind of different. Sort of like Mike Conley, you know, ball pounding with those guys all spread on the floor. It's going to kind of feel a weird look that not a lot of teams can give. So I'm excited to watch this team. I think they're kind of underrated. Of course, as you alluded to, it all depends on health. Mike Conley and Marcus Law are notoriously injury prone. They easily could get hurt. You know, they could derail their whole season. But if this team stays healthy, I think they are definitely a contender to be, a, you know, the seventh or eighth seed. So what do you think? Do we need to see them kind of get you know, 70-plus games out of Gasol and Conley, and, you know, maybe, uh, I, I don't know what you can count on Parsons for these days, but maybe half a season or, you know, maybe a full season at a really reduced role. He's kind of showed that even in a really reduced role, he can be, you know, quite a valuable player. But for them to make the playoffs, we prob- we pretty much need to see fully healthy seasons from those two main guys, don't we, Max? Yeah, I think I'd be surprised if they made the playoffs with one or both of Mike Conley miss or Mike Conley and Marcus All missing more than you know like twenty games. Maybe they get away with it, but it seems unlike if Mike Conley plays all eighty-two, I think they could probably get away with Marcus All being out for a while just because of Jaron Jackson. Um, but they, I mean, the team turns on Mike Conley. He's their best player. He's incredibly underrated. He's an all-star when healthy, and uh, it, you know the team goes as he goes, in my opinion. So are the Grizz with Conley minus Gasol better or worse than Dallas? Better. I think they're better, just because Mike Conley is so much better than anybody on that team right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Okay. Uh, anything else in Memphis, or should we move on? Let's go to New Orleans, Max. New Orleans added Jaleel Okafor, Alfred Payton. I started <laughs> I started strong. Julius Randle and Troy Williams. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Uh, out, DeMarcus Cousins, famously. Jordan Crawford, DeAndre Liggins, and Rajon Rondo, David, I'm kind of on record as loving this team. What do, what do you think about him? Yeah, it's difficult when you put it on paper like that. Maybe it's a, a slight minus when you kind of take out, you know, how Rondo ended on the team, and now it's kind of Alfred Payton in there, which is the the one Suns link that I've got down for this team. But uh, and then obviously Boogie Cousins out, talent wise versus Randall is is probably a minus as well. But he also wasn't playing towards the end of their campaign last season and, and Randall at the moment is completely healthy and, and maybe a better fit uh, all round with this mm-hmm. team so yeah we've discussed this before I think both of us are quite high on that trio that they've got going with Davis Randall and Miritich they can kind of throw a few different looks at teams and you know maybe going forward that's that's a better all-round fit than what they had going with those two big tw- twin towers Max. Yeah, it's so to me, it's going to be two big questions. Well, I think that the Julius Randle-Miritich thing is going to work around Davis. I just love it. To me, it's just going to be how healthy can Davis be? Are we going to just get a monster Anthony Davis season? Because I think if we get a monster Anthony Davis season, this guy is kind of the limit. He can be the best player in the league when he's playing right. So that's a big part of it. And then the other thing is uh, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had a pretty good season last year and then had a, like, a wonderful playoffs, at least in the first round. And if he can sort of like up his game to the playoff level, I think that that one-two punch surrounded by you know, Miritich and Randall around them, that's formidable. And I don't really care about the rest of the team because that, that's enough for me to think this team could be really, really good. Yeah, I think you make the, the one point that needs to be made here is is everything centers on Davis and his health this season. Mm-hmm. We'll get to our predictions and rankings in a minute, Max, but uh, I'm not sure how much for these ones you kind of weighed in injuries with all these five teams. Uh, you know, I tried to consider all teams being rather healthy, but you know, when you've got the injury history of someone like Anthony Davis and then 
you know, the, those couple of guys coming off injuries uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. It's you can't totally discount it. So I'm interested to see how you've you've ranked these teams based on that. But yeah, a full fully healthy Anthony Davis, 82 games, or you know maybe. You know, let's say 75 games, this is going to be a, a force to reckon with with Drew Holiday, who, yeah, definitely stepped it up towards the end of last season. Yeah, it's tough. I think you have to factor in inevitable injuries. Like, you can't just assume Chandler Parsons is going to be healthy. But uh, you can't, like, it's tough because, like, you know, I kind of said I thought Chris Paul might get hurt this season and then Anthony Davis has been just as injury prone. So I'm kind of picking and choosing a little bit. But I don't know. Anthony Davis is not old. You know, he's younger. I think there's a ch- He's been injury prone a little bit, but at the same time, like, does it just feel like one of these seasons, Anthony Davis is just going to be like, no, this is my league now? We've been waiting for it for quite a while, and I think we still forget how young he is. Probably quite mm-hmm. the quite the opposite of your point earlier on in the episode with Jimmy Butler and his age. You know, Davis is has less miles because of those injuries and is still 23 years of age off the top of my head, which is just absolutely ridiculous for the production that he brings. So, yeah, I think you're right. With all the doom and gloom of how much the Warriors have been and, and may continue to dominate the NBA and the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, I think let's watch out for Anthony Davis maybe taking another step up, Max. All right, let's move on to the last team in the division. It's the San Antonio Spurs. In for them is Marco Bellinelli, Dante Cunningham, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, let's see. What, Jacob Poto probably deserves a mention here. And then Quincy Pondexter. Mm-hmm. Out, Kyle Anderson, Danny Green. Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker, and then obviously Manu Ginobili retired. How much do you think, maybe let's put it this way, the end of the Spurs core, so the fact that Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili are gone now, do you think we're going to like see a noticeable difference in the chemistry of this team? Like, Is it all Pop who has like the Spurs thing where they just kind of over, always overachieve, or was part of it the fact they had this continuity with, with their guys? This is going to be the test, Max. This season is definitely going to be the test of that theory because, you know, Parker was still playing decent minutes last season. Ginobili was still playing a lot off the bench. Uh, Obviously, we only got nine or so Kawhi games and and that kind of saga ruled the season last year for the Spurs. But yeah, I think this is going to be the true test of how much pop and the system kind of dictates here. Uh, Another team on paper where you look at the outs versus the ins, you'd kind of think they're going to take a step back. But we do have to remember that Kawhi did only play those nine games last season. So Mm -hmm. they are adding DeMar DeRozan to last year's team and, you know, losing the likes of Kyle Anderson and Danny Green. So from that standpoint, it's almost a positive season on season. Shout out to to Boris Dior, who also retired along with Ginobili, who has a a Spurs and Suns connection there. And we're also seeing the last season of LaMarcus Aldridge uh, initial contract that he would have signed if he did choose to come to the Suns, Max. So uh, there's there's a little sliding doors moment. We'd, we'd be going into the last contract of, of him and Tyson Chandler being tied together in the desert. But just kind of segueing off that, Aldridge, DeRozan is kind of going to, I suppose, be the core of this team. And, you know, what do you think? With, with Kawhi missing last season, I think they won 47 games. So are they going to win less than that? Are they going to win more than that? I think, you know, as I said, we, we can't really factor in the, the loss of Kawhi because he wasn't there last season anyway. So how much do the other subtractions hurt their win total? Or, or will we actually see them win more, Max? They've certainly made an interesting zig to, to the league zagging, haven't they, going with these two kind of dinosaur mid-range players. 
Yeah. Uh, man, it's. I think they have enough talent, and obviously I, we all think the world of Pop, he's awesome, that I, I think they're pr- a pretty safe bet to be a good regular season team at least. Uh, I've been on record as, as kind of attacking the play of DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs. I, I think that it might be a problem once they get there, but in terms of getting there, I think they're going to be good enough. I, I really like DeJounte Murray. I think he has a chance to take a nice step forward. They're going to be pretty good on defense. They kind of always are. So, yeah, I, I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Probably as one of the lower seeds in, in the league, but man, you just really just can't count against them. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I'll save the rest of my thoughts on the Spurs for my prediction, which should be coming up very shortly, Max. Yeah, jump to that now. Give us So we're going to each do a bold prediction for the division and also rank how we think the teams are going to go in the division. So, David, why don't you start with both of yours? All right, I will start off with my rankings, which will allude to my prediction, which will follow. So uh, we're, we're talking purely regular season uh, rankings here, and I am going to say Houston will top the division, followed by the Spurs, then New Orleans, then Memphis, and Dallas rounding out the division. To back that up, I will say my one prediction for the Southwest Division is that the Spurs will surprise the league and that they'll also make a trade to get better. I'm eyeing off what is essentially an expiring contract uh, of Pau Gasol at very reasonable uh, money for one year. So I'm looking at that contract and, and the Spurs may surprise with adding some you know, more veteran talent and then you've kind of got a core of Aldridge, DeRozan, and some nice young pieces, and I think I'm backing in the system, as we touched on before, and I'm backing mm-hmm. in pop, and you know, we, we spoke about it here, there's a, a lot of change in this division, uh, whether it's guys coming back from injury from last season, uh, or additions and subtractions to teams, so for the, for the regular season at least, I'm backing the Spurs in, I think they can actually finish second in the division and, and make the playoffs, Max. You don't lose money betting on the Spurs. Exactly. So I can't really blame you. All right, I'm going to go to my predictions. Mine might be a little bit more more wild and out there than yours are, as I tend to be. Uh, my bold, I'll start with my bold prediction because it leads right into my ranking. My bold prediction is that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to win this division. I just believe so much in Anthony Davis. I think this is Anthony Davis' breakout year. I think it's going to be the question is going to be, is he the best player in the league now during this season? I think that that's what we're going to hear because they kind of finally have the perfect team around him. I'd like to see a little bit more shooting around him, but kind of other than that, it's pretty much perfect. Uh, I'll have Houston coming in second. Uh, I think that'll be pretty close. It'll probably make the third and the fourth seed together. Uh, and then I'm going to have the Spurs going third, Memphis fourth, Dallas fifth. I think I'm going to pick Memphis to be the eighth seed. I might pick it to be the ninth seed. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, that'll be one to watch. As you said, that the division might have four playoff teams, which is kind of the most you can generally squeeze in there. And yeah, I can't mm. argue with your justification. If it, if we're getting MVP level Anthony Davis for you know close to a full season, with what what we touched on with Houston maybe taking a step back and a little bit of change in San Antonio and Memphis, uh, you know, it, it's definitely not out of the realms of possibility that the Pelicans could top this division, Max. Yeah, I think that's an associated prediction. If I'm going to predict the New Orleans Pelicans to win this division, I'm probably going to have to just predict them to win the MVP, right? <laughs> or David to win the MVP. Exactly. So uh, maybe let's move on to the Atlantic division now, Max. Yeah, let's do it. So the first team in alphabetical order in the Atlantic division is the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics didn't do a whole lot. They added... What, damn, they didn't really do anything. They added Robert Williams... 
Brad Wanamaker. Is that how you say that, Wanamaker? Uh, that's how I've been saying it. I, I heard him come up in a few games of, of Luka Doncic uh, scouting, actually, and, and that's how <laughs> that's how the, commentate, the European commentators were going with it. So I think we can go with that, Max. All right, so Brad Wanamaker, and I guess we could throw in P.J. Dozier. They lost, who's matters here? I guess Greg, Greg Monroe and Abdel Nader, Shane Larkin, I guess you could say. They really didn't do very much, David. Yeah, but of course we are we're bringing back hopefully a healthy Gordon Haywood and a Kyrie Irving uh, compared mm-hmm. to the playoff team of last season. So there's some pretty significant additions if we're we're talking, you know, the team that ended last season versus yeah, that's the fair. one on paper. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I probably should have just included them in the in the additions, <laughs> especially Gordon Hayward since he paid five minutes last season before that gruesome injury, but. Yeah, I mean, I just I absolutely love this team. It's one of I I uh, participated in uh, Josh Eberle's uh, Hoops Mag feature, and it was nice of him to invite me to do that. And he asked like, what were your what were the three teams you most excited to watch this season? And, and Boston was definitely on there for me. I'm I'm so pumped to see how Boston looks with with Kyrie and Hayward back. I think they're just going to be so freaking good. Yeah, it might take a little while for things to come together, and there's obviously a bit of a potential roster crunch in theory, which I'll note that Marcus Morris, ex-son, who's uh, going into the last season of his contract (laughs) along with his brother, uh, the contract that they signed with the Suns infamously, but he might Mm -hmm. be the one that gets squeezed out here because whilst we've harped on quite a bit the the use of wings in the NBA and, and, you know, not having enough or or having too many never being a problem. Uh, You do have Gordon Haywood, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Morris all try and squeeze into the rotation here along. Yeah, and don't forget, Marcus Smart kind of plays the wing sometimes too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe we see Marcus Morris moved or or maybe we see him sulking on the end of the bench uh, as we've seen in the past with him, Uh, particularly with his contract coming up. I don't think he'll be too happy about not playing in Boston, that's for sure. No, no, not at all. Uh, And one thing I should mention, it wasn't an end because he was there last year, but they re-signed Aaron Baines. And I'm... It's kind of a random thing to say, but I'm pretty excited about him this year. He showed some things in the playoffs. I'm not sure people all knew. I think he's close to your heart. He's an Aussie, isn't he? He is. He was actually born in New Zealand, but he plays for our national team, so we Ah. we claim them when they do that. Yeah, close enough. Uh, So what do you think? Aaron Baines, he kind of showed some range in the playoffs. I think he's a little better than people think he is. He did, and he was my kind of one of my very few predictions that I got right in our off-season pod and going back to Boston on the contract that he did. And he's just no fuss, and he, he was the same in Detroit. Like, he, such an easy guy to re-sign. There's no kind of fuss or, or uh, drama around the decision. He clearly saw towards the end there that Brad Stevens and, and Boston kind of maximize his game and that there's a real opportunity there for him to play you know, significant minutes. So, yeah, I think that's a good point by you and, and one to watch. You know, Al Horford's another year older, probably doesn't want to battle with, you know, this new era of, of kind of bigs in the NBA. So Baines will definitely be the one that they deploy out there. So let me ask you this question. I think this is like the one thing that worries me about the Celtics. It doesn't worry me a lot because they have a great coach and they usually figure this kind of stuff out. But like you said, they, they're adding in Hayward and Kyrie, who both were like top 20 players in the league when, when healthy. They have this emerging star in Tatum. They have Jalen Brown, who's you know really good. Is there any worry that you have that they might have any kind of chemistry issues or just playing time issues, or is there any you know, any kind of logjam there? I think that's always a worry when it comes into this. But you know we've seen with both Ainge and Stevens, they manage this stuff incredibly well. 
uh, much better than uh, Phoenix do with with similar issues. So we probably can't paint Boston with the Phoenix brush here of what we're used to, mm-hmm. uh, because we really haven't seen uh, much drama come out of this Boston team. It's definitely something to watch, though, and I think it's a good point that you make. Uh, and something to watch this season because, you know, Irving's obviously coming into free agency as well and the rumours are already kind of flying there. And, you know, as much as Ainge has kind of hit the ball out of the park with the way he's managed all these assets, they are going to come up to some questions in the next season or two with, you know, the veteran guys coming out of contract and, you know, the younger guys coming up to extension time. So, you know, you, you don't bet against Ainge, but he's definitely going to have some challenges kind of picking the right guys here, we should say, and, and making sure that he uh, locks in long-term the ones that they really need and doesn't get stuck with any, you know, ridiculously bad contracts. But, you know, with his history, it, it's hard to bet against him. So let's move on to Brooklyn. Let's go through this one quickly because we're running long and the Brooklyn Nets are kind of boring. Uh, they added... Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, Kenneth Fareed. Those guys all play the same position, don't they? Yeah. Uh, uh, Shabazz Napier, Alan Williams, uh, Musa, the rookie. Is it Zanon Musa? Is that how you say that? I've always Zanon? just said Musa. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's just go with Musa to be safe. Uh, we, we get in enough trouble with our uh, pronunciations on this. It's Goran Dragic. <laughs> uh, Travion Graham, who some people like, nerdy NBA people like. Uh, Rodion's Curex, who's like, kind of an interesting rookie. I don't think he'll play. Uh, out is AC, Quincy AC, Donnie Cunningham, Jeremy Lin, Timothy Mozgov, Julio Okafor, Nick Sousis. David, do you have any like strong opinions on this team? Particularly, you know, not particularly, Max. Um, I, I do have a couple of things here. that They've added Mitch Creek as a two-way, who's another Aussie connection. I'll throw for the Aussie listeners there. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned the Jared Dudley trade, and it means we have a, a 2021 second-round pick owed to Brooklyn now as part of that trade. So that's something to watch out for with how the Suns are going uh, in a few years. Hopefully, second-round picks in 2021 to the Suns won't be all that valuable. But, yeah, you touched on it. There's not a lot here to watch with this team. It's still kind of in flux and kind of coming out of that period that, you know, Sean Marks was, you know, lumped on here as the GM. I think he's done a great job getting through it, but, you know, they're probably still another season away before being able to make waves in free agency or anything like that. So, yeah, I'll throw this one at you, Max. Dinwiddie's obviously a, a guy that's been brought up with Phoenix, but, you know, when you look at the roster now, he's he's kind of projected as either a starter or a six-man. They don't actually have that much point guard depth behind him. So is Dinwiddie or another team in this division with, you know, a guy like TJ McConnell, like who's actually more surplus to requirements there, Max? It's really interesting. I think part of it, I don't think either of these teams totally know yet, right? Because for different reasons that are kind of have question marks at point guard, for the Sixers, it's obvious. We'll get to it, but who knows what the hell we're going to get in Markel Fultz this season. It's, it's a total question mark. And to a lesser extent, you know, D'Angelo Russell, we've talked about him a little bit in this podcast. He's he's a question mark, too. So you, you kind of just, I think that those teams aren't totally going to know yet how much they need Dinwiddie and um, TJ McConnell, respectively, until they see them play a little bit, which is part of the reason why trying to trade for a point guard right now is almost ludicrous. Yeah, with Lynn going out of the nets, uh, I didn't really realize until I you know started researching for this pod that they're not really actually a team who can really afford to give up a guy. But no, not really. Know, maybe if I maybe I'll change it to another question, Max. Out of those two guys, who would you prefer on the team to maybe start next season for the Suns, um, and then maybe fall into uh, a backup point guard role if they kind of look to re-sign them at a decent price? 
That's interesting. They're they're not far off for me. I think I'd probably lean Dinwiddie. He's got a little more experience just being a starter over a long period of time, and I think there's probably a little more upside there. It's a little better like, size, you know, athleticism combo. Uh, McConnell's great. I mean, obviously the guy he plays his ass off. It's hard not to root for the guy. He actually outplayed Simmons in parts of the, of the playoffs last year, which is interesting for Sixers fans to reconcile with. Yep. But I think, yeah, going forward, it's, it's probably Dinwiddie for me. How about you? Yeah, I'd probably lean him, um, but McConnell, you know, there's always so many variables with this, but McConnell might uh, be okay with a with a backup point guard role in the NBA versus Dinwiddie, who I think, you know, maybe still thinks he's a starter long-term in the league. So that would just be yeah, a, a variable that I'd want to look at. But let's jump over to New York, Max. So instead of listing the ins and outs, I'm just going to list their roster because it's something, man. Uh, this is the New York Knicks roster. They have Ron Baker, Damian Dotson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Ennis Cantor, Luke Cornett, Courtney Lee, Emmanuel Moutier, Joe Kim Noah for now, Frank Nielakina, Chris Osprezingis, sort of, maybe for half the season at most, Lance Thomas, Trey Burke, Kadeem Allen, Mario Hazonia, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Alonzo Trier, and Noah Vonley. David, that is not a good roster. That is not a good roster, and, and led by David Fisdale, who obviously turned down the Suns' job. So, Thank yeah, you, David. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Igor as well, Max. So we've, uh, we've got a team with Porzingis obviously out injured as well, uh, with not much else there, as you've shown with the list uh, of the roster construction there. So yeah, I, I kind of see New York as a little similar to Phoenix's situation. Obviously, Porzingis is injured at the moment, but you've kind of got one bonafide star going forward and a new coach and you know I'll kind of be looking with Fisdale turning down the Phoenix job uh, you know rumored because he liked you know the future of New York more I'm guessing he liked the money of New York more but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether the Suns can outplay the Knicks in in the next few seasons which you know as you show there with the roster unless they can attract some you know big name free agents there's there's not a lot going on there outside of Porzingis Max. Yeah, I keep hearing they're going to trade for Jimmy Butler, and I think Jimmy Butler does sort of like the idea of pairing with other stars, and New York's a place to do it, but we also have that report that Jimmy Butler doesn't care about big markets, and I, I, Jimmy Butler does not want to go play on this fucking team, I can tell you that. This team is awful. It is, and uh, we will get to it in our rankings, and I'll, but I'll be interested to see whether you rank them where I do, Max. Uh, if you rank them last, then I wake to where you do. Uh, but let's move <laughs> on, because I, I don't want to talk anymore about this team. It's depressing. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, who are much less depressing. They added Jonah Bolden, Wilson Chandler, Shake Milton, a favorite of yours, Landry mm-hmm. Shamit, a favorite of mine, and Zaire Smith, a favorite of both of ours. And they also had Mike Muscala. Less interesting, but still. Uh, out is Justin Anderson, Marco Bellinelli, Rashawn Holmes to the Phoenix Suns. People were really thinking that the 76 were going to make you know a lot of noise this summer with their acquisitions. People were thinking they might add Kawhi or LeBron or yada yada. They didn't really do any of that. So it kind of seems like the swing piece here is Fultz. What are you thinking about this team? Is this team a real contender? Yeah, Fultz is definitely the swing piece, as you've said. Uh, I think they are a contender, but it's going to come down to internal growth rather than yeah any additions they made in the offseason. They kind of swung and missed there and... Uh, particularly if you look at the playoff roster that ended the season with guys like Ballinelli and, and Ilyasova going out and you know the likes of Wilson Chandler and Mascala coming in, it, it kind of appears to be like for like there. They're not reinventing the wheel too much with how they're mm-hmm. going to play. Uh, so it's all going to come down to whether Embiid can make another leap. 
Um, he's kind of got a, a full healthy season under his belt now. So do we see him, you know, play with a little more confidence? Uh, Simmons obviously was a rookie, so you're going to expect, you know, he wasn't a, a finished, polished product last season as good as he was. So, you know, there's going to be some improvement there. And, and then, as you said, Fultz is the real swing piece because that really opens up some further things that they might be able to do and some further damage that they might be able to make. But, you know, another team that's going to be, you know, maybe forever linked with the Suns for the next little while with... Uh, the Bridges-Smith trade, as you said, and, and Rashawn mm-hmm. Holmes also coming out over to Phoenix, which I don't think will be a massive loss. Amir Johnson kind of beat him out for minutes last year and, and is back on a on a veteran contract. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see him play backup minutes again. Uh, and there was also the Redick rumor, which we didn't touch on at the top in the news section with, with Phoenix maybe uh, chasing him, but he returns after some interest from the Pacers as well, where he said he almost landed. So... Uh, yeah, it's going to be more of the same from Philly and um, all going to be down to internal growth and, and then they'll probably have one more off-season next year to take a real swing before some of these extensions kick in and whilst they, you know, while they still have this uh, salary cap room to play with Max. I thought that J.J. Redick thing was really interesting. I was trying to think of what that was because I listened to it and he was it, immediately Zach Lowe kind of assumed it was pre-Ariza, but it wasn't. It was post-Ariza, so it had to have been a trade. And J.J. said as much. But he said that McDee knew for sure that they could do it. So I was trying to think of what that was. And, and my thought is maybe it was Jared Dudley. Do you think that's what it was, like a sign-in trade? Yeah, I think there's definitely something like that. I think we need to also factor in, you know, I looked at it straight away as well. He didn't give us a lot to work with. It was a pretty short statement on the low Mm -hmm. post pod. But, you know, we also have to factor in it wouldn't have been at the salary that he signed with the Sixers. Right, right. As you said, it probably would have been more in... Dudley's range or or even lower as like a three or four year deal and he one thing he did say is that he wouldn't have started with the paces so you wonder whether uh, it would have been a, a similar pitch by the Suns and uh, you know maybe a four year deal at the kind of mid-level exception money uh, to come off the bench and you know all that says you know as we've harped on for a long time is that the Suns are, are going to add shooting as a premium no matter what it means for you know weird roster constructions and things like that Max. I wonder if the Suns would have just tried starting J.J. Redick and Devin Booker together. They would have been very tempted by it, I'm sure, particularly with the, the situation that they're in now a few months later with you know not really having a point guard. Yep, totally agree, but we're getting derailed here. We're going long, so let's move on to Toronto. Toronto's big addition, obviously, was Kawhi Leonard, but they also added Danny Green and Greg Monroe. I guess we can throw in Kay Felder. I like short guys. <laughs> uh, and then out, we got DeMar DeRozan, Lucas Nogueira, and Jacob Podol. Huh. So, I really like this team a lot if they get, you know, the full Kawhi, MVP-like Kawhi season. Do you, do you think this team's a legitimate contender? I know we talked on it a little bit with Cole, but... It's been some more time now, some more time to think about it. Do you think this team is, where, where do you rank them, like one through three in, in the East? Uh, I've got them second at the moment uh, in my rankings, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, I guess I kind of spoiled that, my bad. That's okay. Uh, I haven't given it all away just yet, but uh, I really see them as, uh, not to harp too much on the previous episode, but I, I got so much out of that discussion with Mo and, and talking about continuity, and it solidified a few you know, early thoughts that I already had ar- around the NBA, and I think this team might struggle out of the gates, and it might take a while for Lowry and 
Kawhi to to mesh together because he's so used to playing with DeRozan for for so long. But uh, I think come playoff time, they might be a real danger team, particularly if we see Messiah Jiri, you know, make another move to you know really get playoff ready f- with this team. So uh, regular season might struggle a little bit, although I do still have them uh, a sitting second at, at the end of eighty two games. But uh, my real danger team. Uh, at the pointy end of the season, Max. How about you? They've been talked about as a Jimmy Butler possibility, and man, oh man, if they get Jimmy Butler and put him with uh, Kawhi Leonard, that's going to be something because that's an insane two-way wing combo. I said this the other day on Twitter, Max. We've kind of been teased with a couple of scenarios around two elite wings finally going up against the Warriors, which is something Mm -hmm. I just really want to see. The Warriors might still win out, but I... I just really want to see that tested in the lab and uh, Butler to Toronto would certainly give us our first, you know, true test of that. And uh, if it was in a finals matchup, that would just be awesome to watch. Oh, it would be so fun. So, all right. So this is, this is randomly came to me. Would you make a play for Jimmy Butler if you're Boston? That really comes down to what we were talking about with Boston in terms of, you know, Ainge's got to play his card right here and and get the timings of all these decisions right. But I could definitely see them moving, say, a Jalen Brown. That's who I was thinking, yeah. Uh, I think they're just... I I just can't see them moving Tatum. Um, I think they're in love with him, and and rightly so. So, uh, yeah, I think Jalen Brown's probably the one that's sitting there as that chip if they really did decide to go all in and... You know, you can't extend all these guys at, um, you know, big money when their extensions come up too. So as I said in the Boston section, it's going to be all about picking the right guy and, and getting the, the timing right. But yeah, mm-hmm. so you, you then you're looking at uh, what Kyrie, uh, Butler, Haywood, Tatum, Horford with <laughs> plenty of weapons off the bench as well. That That would be another, you know, true test for the Warriors as well, which is kind of all I'm hoping for out of this season. I, I, I think, you know, we've, we're done with LeBron in the East now, so I just really hope whoever ends up going to the finals against likely the Warriors, it's not a matchup that um, is dwarfed by the Western Conference finals like it was last season. I, I hope we see the, the true climax of the season be in the actual finals, which, you know, there's... Probably three East teams just in this division, Max, alone that uh, could take it up to the Warriors maybe with one more move before the end of the season. Nice segue to my bold prediction and rank, which I'll go first this time since you segued so nicely. My ranking, I have the Boston Celtics, number one, followed by the Toronto Raptors, followed by the Sixers, and if it were possible, I think they got rid of this. I don't think you could do this anymore, but I think that would be the one through three if it would, was something that could happen anymore, but it can't anymore, right? Correct. Uh, one would have to so you have the one, four, and five. Is that how it works? You get to have a division winner. No, it would be one, two, and four. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it works, but something like that. <laughs> uh, and then uh, following up with Brooklyn, and then New York Knicks. I think are the sleeper team to be the worst team in the entire league. But that's not my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that the Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA title. I think I said that already on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again because it's very bold. Double double down on that one, Max. I actually agree with you from a ranking standpoint. We're exactly the same. I do have a little note here that it depends on Chris Stapps and, and when he comes back and how he looks when he comes back, just because that Nets team is mm-hmm. also, you know, a, as hard as they play. There, there's not a lot of talent on that team. So, um, yeah, the, the two salad dwellers there, as, as we like to say, and 
my rankings are exactly the same, so I won't repeat those. And uh, my prediction is something I've already touched on here as well. Toronto might finish lower at the end of the regular season, but will be the most dangerous playoff team from this division when it comes to talking about finals matchups for the Warriors, Max. I'm not letting you up with that. That's not a prediction. That's just saying they're dangerous. How far are they going to go? I will give it a small caveat in that they need to probably make another move, which I think they have the weapons to do because they didn't give up certain guys in the trade for Kawhi. But I, you know, my okay, my prediction will be that in the interests of keeping Kawhi in Toronto after this season, Masai Ujiri will go all in for another trade during the season, which will push them over the top and, and make them a real contender in the East. Is that is that bold enough, Max? I like it. That's pretty bold. I'm going to go ahead and pretend you said they're going to make the finals. I'll, I'll just put it in. Toronto's my <laughs> finals team. I forced you into that one. We're not going to hold you to that. Uh, okay, David, anything else? Or should we move on to seven seconds or less? I'm going to derail this very, very quickly and say that the Suns play Toronto on November 2nd of Ooh. this season, which is the first game after the Bender deadline. So last mm. time we spoke about it, Max, Chris was still on the team, which he is not now. So very quickly, let's not take up too much time. Has your answer changed on whether the Suns pick up Bender's option by October 31st? Mm, my answer was basically that I, I want to see him in training camp, which is still the case. I think there's still a chance they decline it, but I think it's more likely they pick it up now that Chris is gone. Yep, cool. Let's move on. Cool. All right, seven seconds or less is the segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which the other has not prepared and for which the other only has seven seconds to respond, although we never uphold that rule. David, it's my turn to ask you questions. Are you ready? Ready. Who is the best player in the Southwest Division next season? That is tough. We've got a few guys coming back from injury, so I'm going to keep my money on James Harden. Okay. Who is the best player in the Atlantic Division? Again, a few guys coming back from injury, so it is hard to project too much. So I will... I'll go the other way. I'll go bold with my Toronto prediction. I'll say Kawhi Leonard. Nice. I would have said Kawhi, so I'm with you there. I would have said Anthony Davis for the other one, as I kind of alluded to earlier. Okay, last question. We're taking Anthony Davis out of this. I think he's the obvious answer. If you could take one player from the Southwest Division or Atlantic Division, take his contract, take him, take everything, and put him on the Suns right now, who is it? Ooh... With the makeup of this team and what we need and my ties to this guy, which I've professed quite a bit on this podcast, I am going to take the rookie contract of Ben Simmons and pair him in the backcourt with Devin Booker. Love it. That'd be a really fun freaking fit, man. So fun. With Aiton in the middle as well and shooters all around. Jeez. Yeah, that would work out. Uh, That's... A good answer. I probably would go Tatum just because I have my you know my Tatum obsession, but I think that both the answers are good. Uh, David, anything else? Or should we finish the podcast? That that's totally it, and and that was a fun one. And I'm looking forward to the other division previews now, Max. It was. It's fun to talk about some general NBA stuff. But that is it for now. Uh, if you could go ahead and follow us on Twitter at at seven sol pod. I am Max MCC eleven. He is the four point play uh if you could go ahead and rate review and subscribe to the podcast we'd really appreciate it because it really helps us out david thank you 
Thanks, Max. And yeah, quick shout out to those who have gone and rated and reviewed and subscribed. As you said, it really helps us out. And uh, we've read some great ones recently. And uh, this whole pod idea was also off some feedback from a listener as well. So uh, keep the thoughts coming, guys. And uh, thanks for continuing to listen. And basketball is almost here. Cannot wait. Thanks, everybody.